Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWorldOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Good evening, folks. Hello, and how are you doing? It's a Wednesday night. Well, you know what that means. It's Let's Talk CFL night. And it's Wednesday night, heading into week number... Geez, what week are we on right now? I guess it's... Uh, let's see. Well, what are my BC Lions? My Lions are, what, 5 and 6, and there's been 2... So this is like week 14, I guess. Whatever it is, we've got four football games coming up. We're back to four this week. We only had three last week. I don't like that. I like to have four. But, um, you know, I'm just a football fan. I like to watch football. But we do have four games this week. And we are here, and we're ready to talk football for the next two hours as we head in and preview the upcoming week in the CFL and all the happenings and news and notes from around the league. Lots of interesting topics to go into tonight. Uh, In particular, Interesting topics with regards to quarterbacking because isn't it interesting that the two teams with probably the biggest question marks at quarterback are playing each other this week, that being Montreal and Winnipeg. Uh, Montreal, for obvious reasons, they're going back to Johnny Manziel this week. Um, and Winnipeg, well, the I don't know if it's a full-blown quarterback controversy, but if you're listening to a lot of the fans and – I'm friends with a lot of the Winnipeg fans online, and I'm in a couple of groups with a lot of Winnipeg fans. There's a full-blown controversy there. So um, interesting, interesting stuff there. Lots of other things going on in the league. A really dumb article written by a uh, Homer um, a uh, Homer reporter. Yeah, you can probably guess what city he's from, but uh, we'll get into that one a little bit later as well. But there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. By the way, I didn't introduce myself. You've heard me before, though. Uh, It's Charles Cliff here. Um, Filling in for uh, Christopher Jones, CJ, who's our normal host. He's got some guests over at his house tonight. So uh, he's not able to make the show tonight. So I'm uh, filling in here as host tonight. Hope that doesn't make you all too sad. And if it does, well, it is what it is. But uh, glad to have you guys listening, and we've got two other people aboard, so no, you're not just listening to me all night, so good lucky for you guys. Uh, so here's what we'll do. We will bring on our other um, uh, panelists here. First, we're going to go to Manitoba, and let's bring Mark onto the show. Mark, how are you tonight? Doing well. It's finally cooling off in the city, so, you know, it's a nice high of 17 in my house right now. I'm very happy about that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find out just how Johnny Manziel likes it when it's cold. Yes, he certainly are. Good timing for the bombers, I would say. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They've become the free space again, I hope. We'll have to wait and see. They certainly were that last week against the Lions. Good Lord. Yeah. (laughs) Hope your secondary is ready because, um, well, they like to throw pick six, although that was the other guy. That was Pipkin. He's not playing this week, so we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, it'll be fun. Be nice and chilly in the stands. Good, mm-hmm. good hot food at the tailgates. So I'll be happy about that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. All right. Well, we've got someone else on the line, and uh, his team. Well, they win pretty much most of the time. Good evening, Will. How are you tonight? I'm good, Charles. And just so you know, Charles, I would listen to just you if that's what it took. Okay. So I have no problem listening to you. Um, hmm. well, Mark is going to get a. Mark. Mark <laughs> is yes, they are. Mark is going to get a treat next week, okay, after this weekend's game. If if the Bombers lose to Johnny Manziel in the, in the Montreal Alouettes, I'm officially breaking all ties with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I am going to send every piece of bomber paraphernalia I have to Mark Weddle in Winnipeg and he can do with it what he'd like, okay? You heard it here and I first. Do have, I do have quite the collection, Mark, okay? And I'll send it all to you because I will never wear their crap again, okay? 27 will, years is too long. Sorry. Will, if the Barbers lose to Montreal right now, um, that stuff you send me may go with my pile of stuff and a whole bunch of gasoline in a match. <laughs> well, no, you know what? Homeless people need clothes, Mark. I'd say donate, very it, okay? True. Yes, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ever wear it again, okay? <laughs> what do you I do say homeless people saying thanks? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> then your team is really in trouble, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I might end up being like that guy, I think it was in the NFL last year or two years ago. I think it was in Detroit where he threw the jersey on the field. That could be me if Montreal beats Winnipeg. Yeah, especially, especially, sorry, especially with Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Because I think he showed his true colors in the last week. So, yeah. So, yeah. And and I don't think they will lose, but if they do, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. Let me tell you. Oh well, yeah. If if they do there lose, might, there might be say, a whole lot of jerseys on the field in Winnipeg. Yeah. Oh yeah. If they do lose to Montreal, all I can say is on Monday, I believe it is. Tune in online to 680 CJOB for the coaches' call-in show. <laughs> that would be very entertaining. They might but catch by Monday, they might say, by, no, we can't do this. <laughs> When's the no, game? Bob the game Irving is Friday, Friday right? It with Mike Kelly. Yep. The game on Friday? Friday. Yeah. Okay, so that means Mike O'Shea will have time to look at the tape, right? <laughs> yes, he will. I'm sure he's been okay, already good. looking at it, and yes, yes, he will have had time to look at the tape by Monday. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Does he ever say any? Uh, I've seen his interviews. Does he ever say anything on that show at all? Because 99% of his interviews, he says nothing. He says the exact same thing on the Coach's Colin show as he does in his interviews. You know, you know, we looked at the tape. We, you know, we think we have a good team. You know, it wasn't all his fault. You know, we got to look at the tape. Blah 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 blah. That's all. It you is. know, it's quite entertaining. It's funny. I have two apps. Okay, one's a Calgary Stampeder app, and one's a Blue Bomber app. And I look at them every day because every day they interview 
Dave Dickinson and they interview Mike O'Shea. Yep. Dave Dickinson says more in two minutes and 53 seconds than Mike O'Shea does in 11 minutes, okay? <laughs> it's absolutely insane, all right? You will get nothing, nothing out of O'Shea at any time ever. He says the exact same things when they win as when they lose. One of my one of my favorite things about Dave Dickinson, and it doesn't matter if they win or lose, one of the biggest things he says right after the game is, that game's over, we're moving on to the next one. It's it's that simple with him. Yep. Okay? They don't they don't let anything they just leave it and move on to the next one. It's kind O'Shea of funny coaches that. the same way he played. High intensity and doesn't say a word. Have you ever heard nope. of Mike O'Shea trash talking when he played? Nope. He hit somebody, he got up and he went back to the sideline. That's all he did. Yeah, did his mm-hmm. did his talking with his play. Always has. Yep. That's why I, that's why I liked him as a player. I And that's how I he used is to hate. That's how he is a coach. I used to hate when they played Toronto because Mike O'Shea the guy was a beast. There's no doubt about it. Okay, but he never talked. He never did anything. Never he just said a word. Played football. He nope. just hurt people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, I guess we get to talk about them first, anyway. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So I guess we <laughs> should go on to that one. So um, now that we're ready to go, we've kind of got into it already. But hey, we can go into it more in depth. Call 516-418-5408 to speak with the host or hit up on social media through the Facebook group or on Twitter at Let's Talk CFL. Let's Talk CFL. All right, and our uh, issues, so to say, the Montreal Alouettes. That's Friday, Friday night, Friday night football in Winnipeg. Uh, interesting one here, very, very interesting. So, um, Winnipeg, we know their struggles. They were on the bye last week, but we know their struggles before they were on the bye, and uh, they've lost, I believe, now four in a row, and they've fallen right down into the basement in the Western Division. And Montreal looked like they were on the upswing until they played the BC Lions and then just uh, completely imploded and self-destructed. So, interesting matchup here. Mark, I'm assuming you're going to be at this game on uh, Friday night, so why don't you uh, start us off and uh, let us know what your thoughts are. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely be at the game. This is a game, you know, as you said earlier in your preamble there, um, where both quarterbacks are under the gun. But you have to look to Nichols' experience versus Johnny Manziel's. Johnny Manziel has two games of experience. Matt Nichols has, what, seven, eight years of it and three years as a starter. And he's had stretches like this in his career where he's absolutely sucked. And this is the game I don't think you'll see him himself have a huge rebound and throw for 400 yards. Montreal's defense has played much better the last few games. Um, Am I worried about the pick sixes? 
not as much as if we were playing Saskatchewan again. If Nichols can just control the ball and hand it off to the beast in the backfield and let Harris run and let Harris run and throw the five-yard outs, and we've got Hardrick back on the offensive line, so that's huge. And even bigger from the Nichols' standpoint is Dressler is back. And I'm not sure if it's too much of a correlation that he's missed four games and the Bombers have lost four games. He may be an old man, he may be a midget, but he is always open and he always gets the first downs and he doesn't drop the football. So between Dressler being back, Hardrick being back, and Andrew Harris having a week of rest because he has gotten banged up. Um, I did see an article today, though, that, you know, there's been some comments that he's slowed down and this and that. Um, he's 2017 when he had pretty close to a record year. He had two, by this point, he had 211 touches for 1,376 yards, 6.52 yards per touch. 2018, he has 207 touches for 1,323 yards at 6.39 yards per touch. So if he's lost some, it's negligible. Mm-hmm. And he's had that week of rest where he got out and he did some fishing and some other stuff and did a ton of working out from watching it online. Um, Bombers are favored by 10. I'm going to probably extend that a little bit on my score. I don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game just because Bombers don't really, not lately anyway, score a ton of points. But I'm going to say 29. Oh, I'll be nice to Montreal. I'll give them 11. 29-11 Winnipeg. 29-11 Winnipeg. All righty. Will, uh, you also said your piece about the Bombers. Should they lose to Montreal? How do you see this game? Well, I don't think they should lose to Montreal. But honestly, this this is the Bombers' season this year, okay, on Friday night. If they lose to Montreal... Man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a crap show in Winnipeg for the rest of the season. Just my opinion, but I think uh I think uh Mike O'Shea's doing the right thing because they had the bye week. Got a chance for Matt Nichols to work out some stuff and see how he does. And you know, I, I tend to wonder if Matt Nichols is more hurt than everybody is saying he is number one, and an extra week of rest can't can't do anybody harm. Um, Andrew Harris, you know what? If he's lost a step, I haven't seen it. He's he's been a beast all year. Um, I don't know why they don't use him more, okay? I don't know why they don't use him more. I mean, the run still sets up the pass, and I really think they should be using Andrew Harris more. If you're if you're Depending on Dressler to win the game for you, you're in trouble. Sorry, Mark. Um, but you know what? He is a he is a consistent receiver, and they haven't had a lot of those 
Um, I really hope the Bombers win. I really hope the Bombers win. But uh, the way they've been playing, man, I don't know. I just don't know. I mean, you do have the fact that Johnny Manziel is in his third game as a starter, and he still hasn't showed me that much. He has showed improvements. But I still wonder if there's – well, I don't wonder. I know there's still a whole bunch of attitude there. And you can see that last week when he missed three practices with the stomach flu, of course, and uh, thinks he should be the guy. And you can't take anything away from Anthony Pipkin. It's too bad that they're not starting him this week and give him a chance to redeem himself. But – I think last weekend, it doesn't matter if it was Johnny Manziel or Anthony Pipkin or Mike Riley or Bo Levi Mitchell, I think they all would have had their hands full with that BC defense. So, you know, but I am still going to pick the Bombers and I am going to go 30 to 18 for Winnipeg. All right, 30 to 18. Yeah, well, this is um this is a tough one for me to pick. It really is. Um the Bombers look horrible in their last four games especially in their last game against the Riders, this might be a case of the bye, team, bye week coming really at the right time because, let's face it, this team was just sinking fast. And maybe it was helpful for the team to maybe just get away for a little bit and kind of regroup and then have a good week of practice coming into this, um, coming into this uh, week here. Montreal, we people were starting to get high in Montreal when they won those back-to-back games with Antonio Pipkin. The last week's game basically destroyed any goodwill that the Alouettes had after that uh, brief two-game winning streak. I mean, that game collapsed, and uh, so much that they were going to make a coaching change. Heck, people were saying Pipkin's the next great young quarterback, and then one clunker. And he's out. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little bit later. But as it is right now, I mean, uh, uh, the Montreal Alouettes might be the medicine that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers need right now. If Winnipeg were playing any other team in the CFL, I don't think I can justify picking them. But the Alouettes were so bad last week, and I think that's a dysfunctional team. I've thought that all week. Um, It's time for Johnny Manziel to put up or shut up. I don't see him putting up. And I think the Bombers are going to snap their their losing streak. Um, I think that it's going to be closer than this game probably should be. And by the way, anyone who's saying that Andrew Harris has lost a step, what are you watching? He's about 75% of their offense. So, yeah, I don't buy that argument at all. I think that's ridiculous. I think the guy's been the, well, the, guy's been the most consistent thing about their offense this year. 
Um, this one I think is going to be relatively close, uh, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to pick the uh, the Bombers to win this game. I think they're going to win it 28-21. to 21. So I think they win it by a touchdown. I don't think they're going to blow them out. I think it's going to be a lot closer than it should be. But ultimately, I think the Bombers, and like uh, Mark said, will the Matt Nichols uh, experience will probably be what helps carry the day for the Bombers. So we got that, and um, I didn't get any picks from Chris or CJ, so they're going to have to put their picks in after the fact. Uh, anybody else with a comment on this game? The only thing I'll say is if Montreal wins at the next home game, there might be a thousand fans in the stands. This is a make it or break it game for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We win this game, we're still in the battle for the playoffs, whether it's a West or East. We lose this game. Yeah. Sure. Bombers lose this game, they're finished yeah. for this year, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, as far as anybody's concerned. Yeah. Yeah. No I, might, I might go as far to say that if the Bombers lose this game, they might not win again this season. That's how fragile yeah. this team is. Yep. Yep. Won't disagree. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this game? Will, you good? I'm good. All right. Let's move on to game number two. Let's talk CFL. All right. Well, game number two is actually the first game of a Saturday triple. Second week in a row, we got a Saturday triple header. And uh, the next game is in the nation's capital in Ottawa with the Edmonton Eskimos paying a visit to the Jekyll and Hyde Ottawa Red Blacks, who from week to week don't know what kind of team they are. And Edmonton's had their up and downs too this week, or excuse me, this year, but not nearly to the extent that the Ottawa Red Blacks have. Um, so, Will, what do you think? Are we going to get good Trevor Harris this week, or are we going to get bad Trevor Harris this week? Nobody can tell what we're going to get till the game starts, okay? Um, Quite true. And, I mean, if they play like they played last week, they're going to beat Edmonton. If they played like they played the week before, <laughs> they're going to get stomped so I don't know I I maybe they've turned the corner maybe they haven't it's a crapshoot you don't know you don't know who's going to come out but uh, you know Edmonton's had a bye week so they've had time to do some adjustments but I still don't think Edmonton is that strong of a team despite all the people I've been arguing with online this week. Um, uh, well, 
you know me, and in memory of a certain ex-podcast member on this panel, um, I'll never pick Edmonton ever, 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 hardly ever. So I am going to pick the Ottawa Rough Riders, 43, the Edmonton Eskimos, 36. Oh, it's a shootout. Interesting. All right, Mark, what do you think? Well, I'm not going to – I'm still flipping and flopping about – I've got the score written down. It's just a matter of which team I'm going to take. Like Will said, it depends which Ottawa team we see. It depends which version of Trevor Harris we see. If we see last week's, it could easily be Ottawa walking away. If we see two weeks, it could easily be Edmonton walking away. It's a really strange game. To me, it's going to come down to William Powell. If he plays anywhere near like he did last week against an extremely strong Rough Rider linebacker core. Because, yeah, he was getting the yards through the middle. So, you know, he was getting some decent holes. But he ran away for some really good linebackers once he got through into the second level. So if he gets anywhere near that kind of production, I really do think Ottawa is going to win. And let's face it, we know what Edmonton's defensive backs can be like. They're not very good in the backfield. It nope. doesn't matter who's back there. Yes, they have a strong defensive line, but Powell doesn't have to get all his yards rushing. He can get them on the screen passes and the little dink passes. And then you've got the twins and everything else with Ottawa. I'm going to actually, I'm going to go with Ottawa and I'm going to say 37 33. 37 33. Yeah. Will, what score did you take? It was pretty close. I don't know. He was higher. You said 43 to 37. 37. I'm going to write them down just in case. Yep, good idea. I'm actually looking. I saw the picks online, the, the quote-unquote expert picks online. <laughs> I'm trying to find out who picked what, but I can't find those. Maybe we can find them somewhere. Um, I'm really, uh, much like the last uh, game, I'm kind of torn on this one because... Ottawa typically does play better at home than they do on the road. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not uh, sold one uh, one bit on Edmonton's defense. I think their de- this defense, especially in the secondary, is quite suspect. Um, but again, Ottawa just has that knack sometimes of just laying an egg. Uh, it's just... It's really difficult to pick them because they're so like last week Trevor Harris looked great. Two weeks ago against BC he looked like crap. He got pulled in the game for a while. But I think it was um, Mark that said William Powell is a key, and I think that really is a key. Uh, that I think that's very much a key. If he can have a big game uh, like he did against Saskatchewan. I really do lean towards uh, Ottawa here because 
I don't think that Edmonton has like the rushing offense to um, kind of uh, keep up with that. And Mike Riley's not going to win every single game on his own through the air with his arm. Uh, he can win a lot of them, but every now and then you're going to see it's just uh, he won't be able to pull it out on his own. Uh, and if the defense can't stop points, I mean, Edmonton can score a lot of points. But with a defensive secondary like uh, Edmonton's, they can also give up a lot of points. Uh, I think this one shakes shapes up for an Ottawa victory. Uh, I do think it'll be a, a relatively close game. I don't think it's going to be quite as high scoring as you guys have picked. I'm going to pick a little bit lower. Uh, but I'm going to pick Ottawa to pull this one out, and I think they're going to win it 28-24. to 24. And I think William Powell has a big game. If William Powell has a big game, Ottawa will win this game. Um, because I think they're they're that much better, quite frankly. Okay. And, um, geez, I wish I could find those picks because they were interesting. Uh, but I cannot find them anywhere, so... I guess I'll have to find them afterwards because I thought I'd seen them. I know I saw them earlier. But anyways, um, that's fine. Anyone else with any other comments on this Ottawa-Edmonton game? I think we could probably write Christopher's scores down. It'll be 2-1 for Edmonton Edmonton. and 2-1 for Montreal. Yes, of course. And then those will be good until he changes it right before the game. Yes, yes. Because I'm going to change mine right before the game. Yep. So I think we all should. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just going to go with a zero-zero tie. If he picks, <laughs> if he picks two-one, if he picks two-one, then we should go four-three, and then the next guy goes six-seven, and just make him crazy. Yeah, that could yeah. be interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But Charles doesn't live close to him anymore, so he couldn't take video watching his head explode. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to the next game. Let's talk CFL. And game two of the triple header on Saturday takes place at BMO Field. In Toronto, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders heading into Toronto to play the badly struggling and badly in need of a win Toronto Argonauts, who have had a rough ride the last little bit here. So uh, this is an interesting one. The Riders are coming off. Well, they're coming off a loss themselves after getting beaten by Ottawa last week. And Toronto, well, they keep getting beaten by pretty much everyone they play in the last little bit. So... Mark, um, well, I'll go to you first on this one. How do you see this game shaping up? Have you heard, is McLeod Bethel-Thompson starting? I, I haven't heard, heard anything, anything different. different. So, yeah. Um, that's my assumption. This could be the clunker game of the week when it comes to offensive football. Yep. Because Toronto's offense is definitely struggling. And Saskatchewan offense is putrid. Yeah, they lead the league in two and outs. And Toronto's pr- 
probably not far behind them. I haven't seen the stat. But this could be, I guess, a really good defensive game. Um, what it comes down to for Toronto, if they have a, any hope of winning, is not throwing interceptions and special teams. Because Saskatchewan's getting almost all their points on punt return touchdowns, kick return touchdowns, and interception touchdowns. And we saw what happened last week when they didn't get any pick sixes. They lost. And for whatever reason, Chris Jones, who started the year without Kolaros because of the concussion issues when he had those, we saw a different quarterback every play. And for whatever reason, yep. he's just leaving Kolaros in to struggle. Yes, he put in Bridge at the end of the Banjo Bowl, but that was because Kolaros got injured. So I think it's going to be an extremely low-scoring game. I really don't see a lot of points getting put up here. But I'm going to go with the upset. And I'm going to say Toronto wins 17-14. I just, Saskatchewan's offense is horrible. Mm -hmm. And if their defense and special teams can't get the points, they can't win. And that was shown against Ottawa. You know, they should have, they easily could have beaten Ottawa with one drive for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Instead, they kept throwing two and outs. And Jones is sticking, for whatever reason, he's sticking with Kolaros. So... And I'm curious about, I've gone back and forth and debated with a few guys on the Let's Talk CFL page about Jovan Johnson's now been benched for two games. Jovan Johnson's never been benched in his career. He's one of the better defensive backs they have. He's definitely a leader in the dressing room. And... The, you know, Ryder fans are saying that, well, this is how Chris Jones does it. He saves his guys for later in the season. Look, he's benched Ganey. Ganey sat for one game. Johnson's sat for two, and from what I've been reading, he's going to be sitting for three. So, for whatever reason, they have a great defense going, and Chris Jones is throwing changes around. So, you know, he's benching guys, he's doing this, he's doing that, and he's all of a sudden leaving one quarterback in. You don't tinker with stuff that's working, and now he's starting to. So I really think Toronto, I think Saskatchewan's ripe for the upset. So go ahead, Will. Will, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Um. I, oh God, you know this is going to be the game when I when I start watching the first three hours of football, and then my wife comes down and complains in the second three hours. This is the game I'll get stop and go upstairs and spend time with my wife. Okay, because I think this will be a yawner. Um, I and you guys know already that I'm not going to pick Saskatchewan. Okay, because I think Saskatchewan is not as good as everybody thinks they are. Their defense isn't as good as everybody thinks they are. Their offense is horrible. 
just my opinion. Um, and I think this is going to be, it should be a close game between Toronto, cause, but I guess Toronto's got to come around sometime, and I do like McLeod Bethel Thomas, or Thompson, or whatever the heck his name is. Um, so, I, I, I can't base it on anything other than I want picks of Saskatchewan ever. So, I'm going to go with uh, Toronto uh, 28 and uh, Saskatchewan 16. 28-16. And that'll be uh, no offensive touchdowns. They're going to they're gonna get a pick six, and they're going to get a special teams touchdown. Because I don't think their offense is very good. You know what? I, I, I also I believe in a guy like Mark Trustman. I still think he'll coach these guys, and, and they will change somewhat of it. And, uh, you know, McLeod Bethel, he's a decent quarterback, I think. So that's all I can base it on. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah, well, I I don't know on this one. I'm going to go the other way on this one. I want to pick Toronto because I don't like when I pick Saskatchewan. But I don't know. This Toronto team just seems to shoot itself in the foot too many times. Uh, when you think they should win, they don't. And uh, after a fast start, the shine has come off. Um, McLeod Bethel Tom, Thomas, uh, I think somewhat, kind of in the same way it's happened to Antonio Pipkin. But I just kind of, I don't know. I just think Saskatchewan right now is the better team. Not by much. But I do think they're better. I just think that their defense, which was weak last week against Ottawa, I think it will improve this week. I'm not expecting a huge improvement out of um, the offense because I don't think they have a very good offense, but I do think it will be marginally better. And I think the defense keeps this one low scoring against this uh, Ottawa team. Now, hmm. There is an X factor that nobody else has mentioned here. And that would be, this is the first game Deron Carter will be playing against Saskatchewan. Uh, do you not think that he's going to want to um, show up his, uh, his former team? You betcha he does. But even with all that, I still think Saskatchewan is going to edge it out. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I think Saskatchewan pulls this one out 20 to 17. Uh, probably a late field goal, probably a few field goals from Saskatchewan because they don't have a lot of they don't score touchdowns very often. But I do think that Saskatchewan's defense will be able to hold better than they did against Ottawa last week. So I think that they win this low scoring one 2017, maybe even like I said a last, last second field goal to get it done. But I'm going to pick the. Uh, the riders to squeak this one out. Yeah. Anybody else have anything to add on this game? 
I forgot about the Duran Carter thing. Yeah, well, completely. He has done nothing yeah, quiet going to Toronto, so he's easy to remember. Easy to forget. <laughs> and I guarantee so you, I guarantee you, he's going to be flapping his lips during that game. Yep. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I just I'm thinking about him and Ed Gainey yapping at each other. That it's a live mic game too, isn't it? Could they put Gainey and Carter out with the mics? Please, I really hope they do. <laughs> that would be funny. That would be funny. That's part of the game. It would be fully entertaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Good yeah. point, Charles. I forgot all about him. True, but even with that, I still think Saskatchewan squeaks it out because I think their defense is going to tighten up from what they were a week ago. All right, anything else? Yeah, I'm good. All right, I'll take care of the no, and we will move on to the next game. Let's talk CFL. And the final game uh, of the triple header takes place here in Vancouver on Saturday night with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the BC place to play the BC Lions. The Tiger Cats, who do they have any receivers left? Uh, Coming into Vancouver against a defense that has seemingly been on a mission the last two weeks. They've pretty much gone in and uh, taken care of business and almost won the game just on their own. And it'll be the first start in since, I think, week two for Jonathan Jennings. Uh, So we'll see how he handles being the starter as opposed to coming in uh, off the bench. I know he came off the bench. I know it was the first series last week, but he's still coming off the bench. He he didn't prepare this one as a starter. So interesting questions all around here. Uh, Mark, what do you think is going to happen in this one? This one is setting up really quite nicely for B- for BC. If Jennings is smart, he doesn't have to do a lot. He needs to hand the ball off a lot to Jeremiah Johnson, mm-hmm. and hopefully they game plan him for just to take what the defense gives them. If he just plays smart and avoids the gunslinger throwing the deep ball, and of course it comes down to play calling. With the guys that Saskatchewan are missing on offense, you know, Saunders is out. Um, Brandon Banks is out. That's two huge pieces of their offense. Yep. Yeah, they still have, what is his name, Green as the running back. But that's a lot to put on Green's shoulders to run against that defensive line. Um, You know, there's a reason that right now BC's defense is leading in sacks and pressures and everything else. That defense is coming together at the perfect time, getting into the last part of the season. And I just, it's setting up to be a real good game for BC as long as Jennings plays smart. This is now his team for the rest of the season. It doesn't matter what Wally says. I think Todd put it best, uh, the one comment he made on the page that if we see Travis Lule playing quarterback, 
for BC again this year, that means Jonathan Jennings has failed. So there is pressure on Jennings. He's had this pressure before, though. This should be something easy for him to handle. He's been there. He's had to do it. He just needs to play smart. And if he does, this could be a fairly easy win for BC. So as much as it pains me, I once again have to take BC because I have to try to overtake Chris in the standings here. So I'm going to take BC. Uh, I love shows when Mark takes BC. Will, (laughs) what do you think? Well, you know what? I look at it I look at it this way. Who's currently more motivated? I mean, let's face it, because Hamilton is in the East. For all intents and purposes, they've actually made the playoffs already. Okay, because you got who do you got behind them? You got Toronto and Montreal. And I don't think he knew catch Hamilton. Hamilton's also missing their receivers. There's three receivers. And you think and if you think about it, we're still talking about BC having a playoff game when in reality, when you think about the BC Lions, the first three guys you ever think about are Travis Lule, Solly, and uh, oh my God, how come I can't remember his name? Manny Arsenal. Receiver Charles. Manny, Manny Arsenal. Arsenal. And all three of those guys are out. Okay. And two of them are out for long periods of time. Travis is out for a long period of time, too. And we're still talking BC Lions and playoffs. So I think they're highly motivated. I think they've got a good defense. You know what? Hamilton did not impress me last week, and the reason they didn't impress me was because they don't have any receivers right now. And I do actually, Mark, I do believe Brendan Banks is playing this weekend. So, but... uh Looking at I thought I heard the they could be wrong. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. I was looking at today, and uh, the longest they had from scrimmage against Calgary was 17 yards. So I think they might be a little on the backward side right now. So I am going to go with the BC Lions, and I'm going to say. 24-21. All right, 24-21. Well, this Saturday is going to be a rare BC Lions home game that I will not be at. I'm actually going to be out of town this weekend. So I won't be at this game. But I'm hoping to be watching it wherever I might be on Saturday night. And the BC Lions, let's face it, they've been a very good home team all season long. They had the one, they only lost the one game at uh, home, and that was the Saskatchewan, and that's a game they probably should have won if you think back to it. So they're already a very good team at home. 
that defense has come to life. Uh, in fact, this is the best defensive play I've seen out of the BC Lions in probably three or four years, at least, maybe even longer. That defense in the last two games, the defense I saw last week against Montreal was very reminiscent of the type of defense we saw from the BC Lions back in, let's say, the 2006 era, when they had guys like Corey Banks and Dante Marsh and uh, you had Brent Johnson and guys like that up front. That was very similar. They walked in and they just dominated the Montreal Alouettes. Now, sure, you've got to say this. It was the Montreal Alouettes. It's not like they're a powerhouse. But they still ran rough shot over them. And so I matched that up with the fact that they're at home. The only thing that kind of worries me, and Mark brought it up now, is Jonathan Jennings. He's maybe not so much worries me, but he certainly pr- provides a question mark. However, he has come in in relief with Travis Lule in each of the last two games and has not hurt the Lions. He has not been spectacular. I'm not saying that. He hasn't hurt the Lions. And, uh, like, last week he came in on, like, play two or play three. So he basically played the whole game last week. So Mark's right. They've got to play to his strengths. Don't go out and try and be a gunslinger. Don't try and throw 40 yards downfield every play. That's what gets Jonathan Jennings into trouble. Use the 8, 10, 12, 15-yard passes. There's the slants, the curlings, the guys going across the middle, because that's where Jonathan Jennings' strength is. You know where else his strength is? If he's using play action, if he uses his legs, I've always thought that they're more effective when Jonathan Jennings uses his legs and is a threat to run because it keeps the defense off balance. This is how they've got to play this game, and if they do that and the defense brings the same intensity they've brought the last two weeks, They're going to win this game. I'm fairly confident of it. Not to mention the fact that Hamilton, like we said, they're missing some key receivers. Um, They've been a very much up-and-down team for a lot of this year, too. Um, Jeremiah Mazzoli has had some spectacular games this year. He's also had some clunkers. So he's certainly not out of the realm of possibility that he goes out and lays an egg, and Hamilton goes out and lays an egg. I think it's going to be a very good football game. I think it's going to be a very entertaining football game. But it comes right down to it. I'm going to pick, well, I'm going to pick the Lions because I'm a Lions fan, duh. But, I mean, I'd pick them anyways because I just see think this is a, a very good home team and it's turning into a very good defense. Uh, so I'm going to pick the Lions here and I'm going to go um, BC 30 and Hamilton 16. And I think the defense comes up with at least one touchdown in this game. I call a little extra prediction there. I think they come up with an extra touchdown. Anyone else have any thoughts? No, I'm good. All right. So I just noticed here, too, there's something that Mark put up uh, just in the chat here that actually Greg Ellingson is out. He's been put onto the um, onto the disabled list. So he will not play for Ottawa against Edmonton this week. That's something I hadn't seen before. The article said inside that you he could still be playing. 
Um, Ottawa hasn't said a word about it. Somebody just noticed it on the transaction list. Hmm. I got to imagine, um, though, if he's on the disabled list, I think it's unlikely you're going to see him play. Yeah, it's not necessarily that he's injured. It could be a family thing or he just can't be at the game. The, like I say, Ottawa hasn't said anything about it. They just noticed it on the transaction list. Hmm. And who knows? All right, well, that's something to watch. Too. You never know. That's possible, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They only have to pay him 60% of his salary if he's right. on the disabled list. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting things you find on Twitter. No kidding. And on Facebook. Yep. All right. Okay, so I think we're done with that one, so we will move on to the next topic. Let's talk CFL. Okay, so we've done our four-game previews now, so let's keep going. So the quarterback carousel in Montreal keeps going around. And it's landed back on Johnny Manziel. Is this the right time for the Alouettes to be going back to him? Or should they have uh, given Antonio Pipkin the opportunity to kind of work through his struggles that he had last week? Mark, what do you think? Should they be going back to Manziel or should they give uh, Pipkin another shot? We know what they are doing. What do you think they should do? I thought that they would give Pipkin at least a start. Uh, not necessarily play him all game if he continues on the way he did last mm-hmm. week because he really regressed last week. He it did. was almost like he was playing his first game in the CFL again. Mm-hmm. So I really thought they would have given him the first quarter or even the first half. And if he continued to just play it that bad, then, yeah, you put in Johnny. But maybe Johnny's whining and complaining and or – laughing on the sidelines is a reason to put him in. I don't know if it... I could see if it was a home game, maybe putting in Manziel, because the fans do want to see him. Mm -hmm. But I just don't see a reason, really, to start Manziel. Other than maybe it's a, okay, you know what? Put up or shut up. So this may be his last chance, too. Myself, I wouldn't have put him in yet. It just, you know, the way he's been acting again with his stomach flu and then complaining about not getting playing time and then laughing on the sidelines for whatever reason. He hasn't addressed it, of course. Um, I thought that they would actually sit him again just because of the attitude part. But they... They're supposedly smarter than we are. So, like I say, I wouldn't do it, but depends. It could be a great move, and it could be this could be his last chance to start in the CFL. Because mm-hmm. if he doesn't make it in Montreal, he's done. I don't see any other team in the CFL taking taking a chance on him. There's nobody else that desperate. So maybe we'll see the last of Johnny this week. If he stinks, I can't see them sticking with him. There'd be absolutely no reason to. So I'm just wondering if it is a put up or shut up thing. Here's your chance now. Going yep. yeah. That's about it, though. Really. Getting tired of talking about the guy again. I know. I think most people are. <laughs> <laughs> 
Will, what do you think? Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, do you think you're making the oh, right choice here? You guys ruined my opening line, okay? I don't want to talk about Johnny Manziel. <laughs> who's 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 Johnny Manziel? Who is he? He's nobody. You know, they're, they're saying that he thinks he should be the starter in Montreal and he doesn't understand they gave away so much to get him and blah, 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 and he's not starting well. You didn't show that much in your two starts, number one. Okay, in your second start, you tried to run over a linebacker, all all six foot midget of you, and it didn't work, and you got a concussion. Okay, and I think, you know, Anthony Pipkin, he is a win. Well, you're cutting out on us. Well. Did we lose Will? I don't know. He just kind of got all garbled, and then he just disappeared. See, Will, are you there? I'm guessing he's not there. No, no, the call just dropped, I just noticed. Uh, Well, you get to talk about Johnny, then. Oh, good. I'm so looking forward to this. (laughs) All right. um, So, yeah, this is... um, Johnny Mantell. I put him in the screening room. Why is he Obviously, my call got dropped just that I was in mid-rant, and it went dead. <laughs> yep. Apparently, Anyways, you your rant, and you just garbled up. Um, so, I, I I think they should have given Pipkin a, uh, a chance. I, I hope if Johnny, Mal, Johnny Manziel stinks that they put Pipkin in. And I don't... I don't get what kind of leverage Johnny Manziel has. Nobody is knocking on his door saying, come play for us. Okay? He's a nobody. And and I, I don't even, I just, I don't get it why he's still in the conversation. I mean, I think you go with your winner and, and, I, I will be interested. One of the things apparently that Johnny Manziel also said was that in the two games he started, if the defense had a played like they did when Anthony Pipkin in there, the results might have been different. Well, you don't say things like that. Really? When, when, he, when, when you're, par- when you're part of a team. Yeah. When you're part of a team. You don't say things like that, okay? And so I, I am curious. I'm going to be really curious to see how the rest of the team plays for Johnny Manziel because I think Antonio Pipkin brought that team up. I think they 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 fed off of his energy because he's got lots of energy. And so I'll be curious to see what happens. But no, if I if I was a Montreal coach, I would have taken uh, Pipkin any day over Manziel. Because once again, we're talking about him and he's done nothing except get concussed and have the stomach flu, and opened his big yap. So, I can't say any more than that, guys. All right, so, I had thought that um, they were going to give Pipkin um, 
another chance. Uh, he had bad numbers, but I'm thinking back, if you remember back to Johnny Manziel's first game, uh, he had, I think, four interceptions in that game. He only had, like, about 100 yards. So he had very comparable numbers to what Pipkin had in the last game. And they gave him the start the following week. So I thought they were going to give Pepkin the benefit of the doubt and at least start him uh, against Winnipeg. you got to think about this. He had a bad game last week, but he won the game uh, the, la- the previous two games and looked pretty good doing it. So I thought he would at least get the benefit of at least starting, and then if he struggled, then put Johnny Manziel in. But... Uh, Apparently, um, what's his name? The 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 coach. What's his um, Sherman. Sherman? Mike Sherman. See how memorable he is. He thinks it's better off to have Manziel in. Well, we're gonna find out real quick. And I got a question here. Do we think that ownership at all uh, played a part in him getting the start? Um, knowing the money they invested in him, knowing the, um, you know, the publicity and a lot of the fans I know in Montreal wanted Johnny Manziel to start. And so do you think ownership maybe nudged a little bit and say, hey, look, uh, we want to see this guy start? I hope not. I hope not. Especially with it being an away game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I would hope... um, that uh, that wouldn't be the case, and I don't think in many, in probably most uh, CFL cities, that would be the case. Montreal is one that I could see the see, um, that being uh, being a part of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Will, what do you think? Do you think ownership might have nudged uh, Mike Sherman into uh, into playing uh, Johnny Manziel? Well, I don't know who else it would be because uh, it can't be from what they've seen on the field from them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I bet your management does have something to do with it because they did they did, did give up uh, quite a bit to get Manziel over there. So, you know, I mean, it's got to be a uh, it's got to be a management thing for sure. Mm-hmm. And and I I would think. You know, if this goes sideways and Menzel isn't successful, I'm thinking their GM doesn't have a job anymore. That's just my thought. And, I think we've uh, been saying that since he got season, hired. He shouldn't have had a job yeah, at the beginning I, of this year. Well, he shouldn't have had a job at the beginning of this year. I agree 100%. So, you know, put him on the field. Maybe he'll be the next coming of Doug Flutie. I doubt it. Okay? And... Trust me, if he becomes successful, the attitude will come back to haunt us all. Probably. All right, so yeah, so that that's I don't know. This is a thing. It's been a circus with Johnny Manziel right from back in the off season when. There was talk of him going to Hamilton, then he went to Hamilton. This is, to me, just turning out to be more trouble than it's worth. I don't think it's making the CFL look particularly good. I think it's making it look amateurish 
because it still it still really annoys me too because TSN has always given this guy uh, press and publicity like even now. Um, we saw, of course, last year where he was smiling on the sidelines and stuff like that after that that second pick six. What's the camera even on him for, Andy? Why do we care what he's doing? Why does TSN got to constantly shove this guy down our throats? It's really annoying, I think. But anyways, it's just um, kind of – let's, let's just play football and get this circus crap out of the way because it's not – it's not looking good, and it's. Uh, I don't want to talk about. Put up or shut up. Either he can play or he can't. So let's see what happens. All right. I think we've talked enough about Johnny Manziel. What do you guys think? Yeah, enough for the rest of the season, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. Let's move on to the next topic. All right, next up, a simulation was run by CFL.ca. And I guess they put in the the current situation and what's going on and the schedule for the rest of the year. And based on this simulation, it has Montreal, Toronto, and Winnipeg all missing the playoffs. Uh, this season. So, do we think uh, these are the three teams that are going to miss out on the postseason this year? Mark, let's start with you. Is that are those the three that are missing out, or your bomber is going to be able to lead a resurgence and get in? I still think it's way too early to say who's going to miss and who isn't when it comes to the West. There's four points between the Bombers, and the Edmonton Eskimos. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg goes on a two-win streak. Edmonton goes on a two-loss streak. And Saskatchewan goes loses another game. And it tightens up even more. You know, all of a sudden, Winnipeg's right there at third or second. BC could be right there at third or second. And Edmonton and Saskatchewan could be in fourth and fifth in three weeks. These simulation things kill me. Um, BC has two games in hand right, or one game in hand right now on Winnipeg. BC has an 87% chance of making the playoffs, and the Bombers have like a 17% chance. I saw that too, and that kind of struck me as odd. These computer simulations, um, they're hilarious. Uh, I think it was Hamilton two weeks ago had like a 6% chance of winning the Grey Cup. And now they have like an 80% chance of winning the Grey Cup. It, it, the, the simulations are, they throw a bunch of things into the computer and you can probably get it 15 different ways, 15 different times kind of thing. So I think it's pretty safe to say there's going to be a crossover. And it could be Winnipeg. It could be BC. It's more than likely Winnipeg or BC, but it's going to be Winnipeg, BC, Saskatchewan, or Edmonton. Nobody has sewn up anything in the West. You know, you look at the East. It's obviously Montreal's not making the playoffs. We know that. 
um, the way Hamilton's playing and the way Toronto's playing, Hamilton's going to stay in second. So, yeah, you could say Toronto's not making the playoffs. I, mm-hmm. Looking at the schedules, both Winnipeg and BC, they, it's not like they have an easy ride the rest of the season. Neither team does. That's true. BC's got Edmonton. They've, I think they play Calgary again still, don't they? they got another one with Calgary, yep. Yeah. I think they actually have two with Edmonton. Yeah. And they got two with uh, Hamilton, I think. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, they got the two with Hamilton. Neither team has an easy ride going in. No. So, ask me in week 16 or week, you know, kind of thing when we're into the 16th game of the year. And there's only a couple of games left. Because right now, like I say, fifth place could be in second place in three weeks. Mm-hmm. It is so tight. I don't put any stock in these simulations. They're, they're as reliable as power rankings. Yeah, really, when you think about it. What does a computer know about who's injured? What a team, Who a team's playing? That's Yeah, that's the thing. They don't factor in any of that stuff. Yeah, no, none of that stuff's put in. So you can't put it in. Hell, hopefully it doesn't happen. Matt Nichols gets injured this week. We have Chris Trevler. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Jennings gets injured next week. BC's in the tank. You know, it's anything can happen. I don't. I these stimulations that are just kind of like, really, really, is it already time to put those out? Is there any need to put that out yet? We're in the last third of the season, but there's still a long way to go. Mm-hmm. So that's about it. I get a kick out mm-hmm. of it. Do I? If I had to put money down, I would probably put my money on BC, not Winnipeg, just based on how both teams have been playing. But I don't have to put money down so I can keep my homer pick and say Winnipeg's going to make the playoffs. So <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> go ahead. Well, what do you think? Are those the three? Are Toronto, uh, Montreal, and Winnipeg? Are those the three that'll be uh, outside on the outside looking in? You know what? Right at this point, and I agree with Mark. There's only one team, and that's Calgary, that are going to make the playoffs right now. Okay, that's a done deal. They could crap the rest of the season; they're still going to make the playoffs. Um, and I think it's too early for everybody else. Um, BC plays Calgary twice in the remaining games. Okay? That's pretty tough on, on BC. And I think Winnipeg, Winnipeg, I know they play Calgary at least once. And, and Saskatchewan also plays Calgary at least once. So none of this stuff... You know, you can say what you want. I mean, the odds-on favorite right now, and and you know what? My this whole conversation will change after Friday if Winnipeg loses to Montreal. The whole conversation is over, okay? And I think it will be BC in a crossover, and uh, Toronto won't make the playoffs, and Montreal won't make the playoffs. But uh, I still think it's too early because you don't know how Edmonton and Saskatchewan are going to do for the rest of the season and they could go in the tank as well. So there's still there's still a fighting chance for Winnipeg. And once again I'm I'm 
I'm just I'm trying to get rid of all my, you know, Winnipeg, they'll do okay attitude because, like I said, after Friday, it doesn't matter if they lose. So, um, But, yeah, I think right now, and, and like Mark was saying, the simulations are stupid because they they don't know. You don't know what happens in a game. Guys get injured, so on and so forth. I mean, I know we're going to talk about this a little later on, but look at Calgary. They lost another starting receiver. How many guys can they actually have that step up? Okay? Because they're running through their guys left, right, and center. And and most of the guys that are on their injured list are not going to be back this year. So they could even go in the tank. So you just you just never know at this point in time in the time of the year. And I mean you know, with BC, they have two games against Calgary, but one of those games is the last game of the year. And, you know, if Winnipeg or if Calgary's got locked up, how motivated is Winnipeg or is Calgary going to be? So BC, that could be a shoe in for them if it, if it matters, those last points. So mm-hmm. no, you can't count anybody out yet. So I'll leave it at that. I'll put it this way with the simulations. Ottawa actually has a 0.3% chance more than Calgary to host a playoff game. Ottawa's at 99.88% chance. Calgary's at 99.85% chance. That's to host a playoff game? To host a playoff game. So so that would mean that Ottawa would have to... uh, That Calgary would... uh, Well, even if they were to finish second... Uh, they would host a playoff game. That would yeah. require either Toronto or Montreal coming up and moving ahead of. That's not going to happen. No. This is ridiculous. Well, and and yeah. and you know what? You know what? How confident is the Calgary Stampeders organization of hosting a playoff game? I I get a I get a playoff ticket with my season ticket package. Okay. Yeah. Well, so and it's we. either good for it's either good for the for the uh semi or the final. Okay? Either or. Yeah, we so, get that too. At least I get a rebate every year. Yeah, and I've never had to get a rebate, so <laughs> Yep. You know. Whatever. Yep. So yeah. Uh look, these simulations, whatever, they're fun and so on. They do it every year with NHL, uh, the NHL uh, on uh, the NHL um, game, video game. They always do a simulation, and it's almost never right or even close to right. So don't I don't put any stock into these simula- simulations. And the 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 whole thing with me and like Mark brought it up, and it had like the Lions with an 85% chance of making the playoffs. And the Bombers was, what, 15 or something like that? And I'm thinking they're tied in points. So what what mathematical equation did they use to come up with that? Because I don't think they're doing their math right, and it doesn't because that doesn't make any sense. So, no, I don't put any stock into it. I mean, that very well may be um, the three teams that missed the playoffs. 
I still don't put any stock, even if that were to be the case, I still wouldn't put any stock in this so-called simulation. It doesn't make any sense. So while that may happen, I don't care what the simulation says. Maybe I should ding myself for that because I said I don't care. Uh, But, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a simulation. Who cares? You could probably run the simulation nine different times and get nine different results. So... No, I don't care about any simulation that CFL.ca did. Go away and take that somewhere else. No one's interested. All right. Enough of this. What are they going to do next, though? Are they going to say that the CFL, they're going to play a game on CFL Frenzy, and that's who's going to win the Grey Cup? That'll be the Grey Cup, yeah. CFL Frenzy, and that's going to be the Grey Cup winner. So we can all stop watching. Nobody go to the Grey Cup. We already know because someone played a video game. Come on, get with it. Get real. All right, let's move on. Enough about simulations. Let's talk about something even more fun. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterbacking situation. No, sorry, we're not going there yet. I'm one one, um, segment ahead of myself. So we're going to go to Calgary next. Devarius Daniels. Boy, I think I spelled the various wrong. Is out indefinitely with a collarbone, with um, I believe a collarbone injury. Does this significantly hamper the Stampeders' offense going forward, or is it just going to be next man up in Calgary? We know that uh, you know that he's been a, a key guy on the Calgary guy. He's got good chemistry with Bo Levi Mitchell, but it looks like he's going to be out for a while. So most of these guys that played receiver for Calgary last week. I've never heard of, and they lost last week. Now, is there any correlation, or is Bo Levi Mitchell uh, good enough that even with a bunch of unknowns, he can still be effective? And, Will, Calgary's your team, so I'm going to give you the honors with this uh, topic. Charles, you made a guffoo. Calgary won last week, okay? (laughs) They beat Hamilton, remember? Right. They lost two weeks ago. They beat Hamilton. Sorry, my mistake. Right I'm and wrong. and their their next their next sorry the re I got it wrong go on the receiver the receiver that replaced their the various Daniels Reggie Begleton wasn't it yeah it was Reggie yep. Begleton had uh, 150 yards and catches he was so, one of the players of the week yes he was so. I, I know they have good receivers in Calgary, but and they have next man up, but how many guys do you have in your back pocket? That is my question, because they're starting to run through them big time. And, you know, and, and it's funny because, you know, you always get that debate on this show about how good of a quarterback is, is is Bo Levi Mitchell? Well, he had some unknowns in there, and he was still chucking balls at them, and they were still scoring touchdowns, and they still won. So, I mean, you know, I'm trying to see the silver lining here. You got Reggie Bigleton, you got Marcus Market Michelle, who was the runner-up for Rookie of the Year last year. Um, you got uh, Jerron. 
Breskison, who's a Canadian receiver, I do believe, and he's quite good. So, But they were saying earlier this week that they were looking inside, outside, and around, around side for more receivers. So, you know, I'm surprised they haven't brought in a Bakari Grant. Um, I'm surprised, well, they can't bring in Marquay anymore because he is with Hamilton now. But I'm surprised that they haven't brought in some of these guys that are still out there just as backups. I mean, we could have went with, uh, you probably could have pulled Anthony Parker out, but he's playing for the Lions now. So um, he had a couple of catches the other night. So I, I'm hoping they can sustain it. I, I I don't know. But I think what it does give the Calgary Stampeders is it gives them a little bit of controversy in the organization and a little bit of what I call um, kicked-in-the-nuts experience. And maybe that'll build more character and maybe they'll get to the Grey Cup and they won't lose because they've had to overcome certain things. So that's that's what I'm kind of, you know, leaning towards, just because it it bothers me to no end that all the receivers are hurt. So there you go. And I am desperate to see them go into Edmonton this year and play in the Grey Cup. So there you go. That's what I think. Mark, what do you think about uh, they're getting thin at receiver there in Calgary? What do you think? Uh, do they need to? Uh, how are they going to react with losing a bunch of guys? It's amazing the way that they just find guys. Yeah, it really is. But like Will said, you can only do that for so long. Do they keep? It's like he goes down the list of receivers and who? Oh yeah, okay, I know him. Who? But Eric Rogers, I was just reading, they're thinking he could be back in the next two weeks, which would be a huge upgrade for them to get him back in. Um, But this is where their running game is really going to have to help them now. Because we know Mitchell's only going to run his one for his 10 or 15 yards and get everybody laughing because, hey, he ran the football. But this is where they really need to get the running game in to help the passing game. Because, you know, the guy, Bagleton, yeah, he had a huge game last week. But now there's game film on him as a receiver. So defensive backs and linebackers will be able to see what kind of moves he makes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do think this, in a way, does help Calgary. If they can, you know, let's face it, they're either finishing first or second. They haven't completely locked up first place yet. The CFL put that out too soon. It hasn't been completely locked up, but it's real close. So for lack of them resting guys near the end of the season, now they're going to hopefully get, uh, when Rodgers is back in two weeks, if he's anywhere near... 80% healthy, that's a huge upgrade. And it's going to help Calgary going forward because they're, they're facing 
a lot of problems this year, and they just keep winning. And they're not bored of winning this year because they're having to fight to win the games. Even last week, yeah, they won. It looks like they won huge at 43-28. But they were in a dogfight for three quarters. And then they just pulled away. Mm-hmm. So they haven't had a ton of easy wins. And they've had to fight to win the games. And, hey, you're getting your backups and at this point some of your third stringers in getting them great, valuable game experience. So in some ways, I think it does, it kind of helps Calgary heading into the playoffs that they know that they can rely on guys if somebody goes down. I'm just always amazed that it doesn't seem to matter who goes down. They just fill it in. And, yeah, you can say it's systems and that, but at the end of the day, it's talent too, especially at receiver. You can have all the systems you want, but the guy still has to make the route and catch the ball. So it's really something how they just next man up. But how many more men are there? And it's not like there's a lot of good receivers that are sitting waiting. Although Clarence Denmark is still out there. Who knows? Maybe Calgary could pick him up. (laughs) That's really it's about it. It's just amazing that they just keep going with these next men up. But how many more men can they find? Yeah, at this point. Go ahead, Charles. Well, Calgary just seems to find a way to win. Uh, it's a good thing that they've got a really good defense because, well, what do they always say? Defense wins championships. But even so, they're on offense. Even we saw last week with kind of a uh, a collection of, uh, I don't want to really call them nobodies, of lesser-known receivers, they were still able to um, um, get the job done. So, um, you know, uh, they are a good offense. Uh, They've got a great offensive line, which helps Bo Levi Mitchell get a lot of extra time, which with uh, lesser experienced receivers is very important. The more time you can give your quarterback, uh, the more opportunity he'll have to – hook up with the um, receivers they got. So um, I think Calgary, even with the loss of these receivers, um, still going to be able to put points up. Um, get it, if they get Eric Rogers back in a few weeks, that'll be extremely helpful. Uh, I don't know if Devarius Daniels is out for the entire season or uh, if there's a chance he can come back. I, have you guys heard what the extent, how long they're staying for him? I don't remember reading it in the article. Did it, did it say or? But for Daniels, I think he's four to six. Four to six. So that's almost yeah, they, the rest. Yeah, they didn't of the... put him on the six game. Okay, so that could be almost the rest of the regular season. Uh, so they're, I'm sure they're hope that he'll be back for playoffs. But I think um, they're still going to be good. They may not be nearly as dominant as they looked earlier in the season because. As injuries mount, um, the um, the effectiveness goes goes down. Um, you got to hope if they're them that this is it for injuries and they don't lose any more receivers because, quite frankly, like Will said, how many guys do you have? I mean, it's good to have depth, 
but your depth only goes so far. So they better hope that they don't uh, suffer any more injuries on the receiving core or they could find themselves in a bit of trouble. But I still think they're going to be very effective going forward. And I do do see them uh, holding on to first place and hosting the West Final again. So I think anyone else uh, with anything to do with um, with uh, the receiving issue in Calgary? I'm good. You good? Uh, Will's not saying much, so I'm going to move on as well then. We'll go to the next topic. Well, we talked about Will's team previously. Now it's time to talk about Mark's team. And Mark's team, of course, is mired in a bit of quarterbacking controversy, as we referenced a little bit earlier during our game previews, with four straight losses and some pretty, if you want to be generous, you can say inconsistent. If you want to be mean, you can say lousy or kind of in the spectrum in between there. Play from Matt Nichols, who really has struggled lately, Um, kind of capping it off with that uh, banjo bowl against Saskatchewan, where, quite frankly, he looked god-awful. And that's not an insult to him, but it's quite frankly a fact. But Michael Shea is being loyal to his starter, but is he being too loyal? Is it time for O'Shea to make a change at the starting quarterback position? Or is he right to be sticking with his uh, Nichols as his starter? Mark, this is your team. What are your thoughts on... O'Shea's decision to stick with Matt Nichols? Honestly, I think it's a no-brainer. I think you have to stay with Nichols. Um, Like uh, O'Shea said, you look at his entire body of work. You don't just look at the last four games or even just this season. If you only look at recent past when it comes to quarterbacks, there'd be different quarterbacks in almost every game or every season. Nichols has played very well for Winnipeg. He's got us to the playoffs two years in a row. He got us a home playoff game. Now, he hasn't won either of those games, and that's on him. But has he played horrible for the last four games and really hasn't played that well this season? Yeah, I agree. The last four games especially, his touchdown-to-interception ratio, which has been his big thing through his time in Winnipeg, has just its gone the opposite way you know it's done a 480 degree turn there and it's just bad but everybody all the fans want Chris Strebler as I like to say and I think you've probably seen it where I've written on the armchair page you know Chris Strebler 2020 Super Bowl MVP according to some of these guys I look at what Strebler did last week in the second half. Yes, he threw for virtually the same amount of yards, 50%. Yeah, that's not a great stat. Two interceptions, that's not a great stat. He had the ball in his hands at the end of the game to win the game. If he wins the game, who knows? He may be starting this week. But what did he do with the ball in his hands? He wasted, in the last minute, he probably wasted 30, 35 seconds 
running around back and forth, sideways, over here, over there, and then throwing the ball into the stands. So he's not ready. By no means is he ready. Our best chance of winning going forward is Matt Nichols. I think Nichols' biggest thing is he's lost confidence and he's trying way too hard. It was evidenced by that underhanded shovel passy thingy that he did. Um, he's just trying too hard, and it's affected his play 100%. You can see it. But I like Chris Strebler, but in no way, shape, or form is he ready to be the starter for the Bombers. Possibly next year. In my mind, there is no quarterback controversy. This is Matt Nichols' team. I think he's earned the right to try to work through this. If he loses this week in Montreal, especially in Winnipeg, um, yeah, it, it, he's done. You can't put him in again. It's to next year time. But until that happens, I think he is the starter going forward. Yeah, he's got his offensive line is getting a little healthier. You got Hardrick back again. He's got one of his favorite receivers in Dressler back. And I still think that, that there's a correlation there between four straight losses and the four games that Dressler was out. So I honestly think going forward, this is Matt Nichols' team, and he deserves a chance to work through stuff. Hell, if you started pulling guys because they had three or four bad games, Ron Lancaster would never have had the years he did. You know, he had some really bad years with some bad teams. So, you know, you, you have to go with Nichols as far as I'm concerned. If he loses, obviously, no, it's time. But I think he deserves at least this game to show that. And to me, he's in a it's a no-win situation for him. He wins this game, and say he lights it up and throws for 400 yards. Everybody's going to say, well, yeah, but it's against Montreal. But if he loses, everybody's going to say, wow, he lost against Montreal. So really, it doesn't matter what he does, he's not going to get an ounce of credit from the Winnipeg fans. Mm-hmm. If not fans across the league, you know, CFL fans across the league. He's not getting any credit if they win. Because if he wins, it's because they played Montreal. They didn't play anybody else. And people could be right about it. But it's his team. He took this team that had Drew Willie as the starting quarterback, as I like to remind people sometimes. Drew Willie was the starting quarterback before Matt Nichols. We were going nowhere in a hurry. There's Winnipeg loves the backup quarterback. Everybody loves the backup. Strevler hasn't shown enough to me to be the starting quarterback yet. Yes, he played against Montreal when Nichols was injured, and we scored 56 points. But at that point in the season, everybody was getting close to a 60-burger in Montreal. And I'm, he, he's a runner right now. He runs around. He's not a quarterback yet. He's a glorified running back that throws the football. He's not ready. A lot of fans don't agree with me, and I get beaten up on it a lot, but he's not ready as far as I'm concerned to be the starter. 
This is Matt Nichols' team. As long as he plays smart, he can easily get back to winning. It's not like he's lost all the talent he had in this one season. He's shown how good he can be. He just has to get back to it somehow. Go ahead, Will. You just went on and on. I didn't think you'd ever stop. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I I forget what the question was. And I and I had a nice little nap in between. And I had a nice little nap in between. Was the question who should start, Matt Nichols or Chris Strebler? Yes. Was that the question? Yes. You know what? I don't I don't think I don't think there's any choice. The Bombers season is on the line. You gotta start the guy who with the guy who bring you there, and that is Matt Nichols. And maybe try and get him to be more of a game manager and depend on some of the other guys on your team to make things happen and see where it goes. I mean, if they don't if they don't win this Friday, Chris Strebler can play the rest of the season because uh, he's going to need the experience because there'll be nobody in the stands. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, of course you got to sort Matt, Matt Nichols. He got you there. He's, he's the guy who's won numerous, as Mike O'Shea always says, he has meant, won many games for us on his own. So, I mean, Mike O'Shea's not going to pull him and, and put in Chris Trevler. So, you got to go with Matt Nichols. And, you know what, I, I still think a lot of it has to do with him being injured. So... I don't know what you think about that, Mark, but I still think he's more injured than most people think. Well, he has had so. enough season surgery, so. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, some guys play better injured than others. Obviously, he's not one of them. So, but yeah, you got to play them. I'm sorry I didn't go on as long as Mark, but Wow. That's all I really have to say about that. Go ahead, Charles. If Chris Trembler had come into the game last week and looked uh, dynamite and led the team back to a victory, then I would have said 100% for sure, put Strebler back, put, start Strebler. Strebler's numbers was about the same as Matt Nichols. So he didn't do any better than Matt Nichols did. He didn't lead them back or anything like that. So I think you got to give Nichols at least one more chance. I mean, they're playing Montreal. If Matt Nichols goes in and plays against Montreal, who is, with all intents and purposes, one of the worst defenses in the CFL, and he still struggles and can't get the team a victory, then you've really got a problem. And at that point, you have to make a change. You really don't have the option at that point. But uh, until that time, I think you've got to give Matt Nichols the benefit of the doubt, and I think you've got to get Matt Nichols um, at least one more kick at the can. This bye week the Bombers were on might be coming at a right at the very right time. And I said this earlier during the game preview. Matt Nichols uh, looked... 
um, very much like a quarterback that lost confidence. You just see it in it. You see it in his throws. You kind of see it in his body language. I think getting away from the from the football for a week, clearing his head, and just getting some time away, not getting maybe stay away from the media, maybe even get out of town for a little bit. I think that can be help. That can be therapeutic to a quarterback that's really struggling. And just come back focused, practice hard, and go out and do your thing. Matt Nichols is very capable quarterback. He's very capable of winning football games. I think a lot of his problems, Will says that it's being hurt. I think a lot of his problems are mental. I think it gets into his head. Uh, he hears the criticism. When he doesn't play well, he hears the boos, and it really affects him. It to a point what we've seen with other quarterbacks that when one thing goes wrong, one interception or something like that, the game falls apart. Where the top tier quarterbacks they throw an interception, they shake it off and go back out the next time. That's the frame of mind Matt Nichols has to get back in, and he hasn't been in that frame of mind for some time now. Because when one thing goes bad, everything seems to go bad for him. Uh, a classic example of that was the Banjo Bowl, when he just kept throwing interception after interception. It was getting into his head, I think. So I think they are making the right choice um, starting Nichols. I know it's not a popular one with a lot of fans that want Strebler in playing quarterback. But they always say the most popular guy player on a um, football team always is a backup quarterback. It's the same thing in hockey. They say the most popular player on the team is a backup goalie. And they're like, oh, the backup goalie doesn't make those mistakes. Or the backup quarterback isn't making those, those mistakes. That's because they're not playing. That's because they're the backup. They're not on the field. There's a reason for that. So I think they're making – uh, a good time to give Nichols one more chance, but I tell you, he loses this week and he gets beaten by Montreal, there's no way to justify him starting after that. So in many respects, this might be Matt Nichols' last chance. So he better uh, he better make uh, take it and run with it. So that's all I've got on that one. Uh, anybody else? I'm good, or Will and I fall asleep. Yep. Wake up, Will. That's the alarm bell, Will. Don't hit the snooze. Let's move on to the next one. I'm awake. You made Mark be quiet, so... Okay. <laughs> All right, next up, okay, this is an article that I'm, I want to rip this apart, quite frankly, because this is stupid. Uh, Jamie Nye, he wrote an article this week that raised a few eyebrows when he referred to Chris Jones, uh, Chris Jones as the CFL's Bill Belichick. Yes, he compared Chris Jones to Bill Belichick. I read the article. I read the headline of the article, and it just made, stopped me in my tracks and made me shake my head. This article is stupid. I'm just going to go to Mark on this one because I, this this annoys me. This kind of journalism, but 
I'm going to go to Mark. Uh, did you read this article, and what do you think of Jamie uh, Nye and his nonsense? Oh, yeah, I read the article, and I had quite the long, drawn-out um, discussion with a couple of Ryder fans on the page today. Um, the headline is simply clickbait at its finest. Exactly. Uh, and even the article, the last part where he compares Randy Moss to Deron Carter, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're two idiots that wore out their welcome wherever they played and blah, 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 except that Randy Moss shut up and played football for Bill Belichick. Deron Carter did whatever he wanted with Chris Jones. He was on Twitter going after fans. He was saying anything and doing anything. He got busted for pot twice. Randy Moss won Super Bowls. Jerron Carter is playing for the Toronto Argonauts. So, yeah, they both sign guys that have troubled pasts. Name that, an American college football player who doesn't have a troubled past at some point. Every article you read about new kids coming in, they've had this happen or that happen, they've been busted for this, or there was a shooting in the family or something. Yeah, they take, well, both guys do take troubled guys. Bill Belichick wins Super Bowls with the troubled guys. And as it was pointed out to me today, Chris Jones won a Grey Cup as a head coach with the Edmonton Eskimos. Did he build that team? No. Bill Belichick builds these teams. There may be a GM there. There may be assistant coaches there. He builds teams. It's his team. You do it his way. Chris Jones just signs these guys and says, okay, go ahead, do whatever you want, which is evidenced by Deron Carter. To use Deron Carter and Randy Moss in the same sentence is just dumb. It's like there, there's no comparison there whatsoever. None. Randy Moss is one of the best receivers in the history of the NFL. Deron Carter? Okay. It, it, it just it ends it there. Go ahead, Will. You can have fun with this one. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I I think I missed my calling. Okay, I should have been a sportscaster because if Jamie Nye has a job, I can have a job. Okay, what an idiot! I'm sorry. You you can't compare Bill Belichick and Chris Jones, really? Come on, really? That's like that's like comparing. <laughs> Chris Jones to Scotty Bowman, okay? It's like there's no comparison. Chris Jones, and I've said this numerous times, I don't think Chris Jones is a GM. I don't think he's a head coach. I think he's a fantastic defensive coordinator, and that's where he should have stayed. And, I mean, let's face it, if... Right off the bat, top of my head, if if Saskatchewan makes the playoffs 
and gets knocked out in the Western semifinal or the Eastern semifinal or whatever, why does Chris Jones still have a job? I mean, if you look at his regular season records, he does not do that well. With all the players he's brought in and and all the crap, he still hasn't won a great cup. Isn't that why he's there? The only reason he won a great cup in Edmonton was because he had Mike Riley and you didn't have to de- worry about an offense, okay? Because Mike Riley was your offense. And, and he has done nothing in Saskatchewan other than improve their defense. He has done nothing with their offense. Their offense has been a pop shooter for three seasons. And I, I, I still think the best quarterback Chris Jones ever had in Saskatchewan was, was uh, Darian Durant, and he got rid of him. And he's done nothing. So comparing him to Bill Belichick is just stupid. I'm sorry. That's really all I have to say. Uh, I got annoyed. Charles, we want to hear. We want to hear a rant. Charles, go for it. Well, I get annoyed with Homer um, writers writing clickbait headlines to try and prove a point that really doesn't need to be made because it's so far out in left field and so illogical that uh, that they just go off and uh, it just makes people shake their heads. When you're comparing Chris Jones to Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is one of the most legendary and one of the most successful head coaches in the history of the NFL. I don't think you can make the same argument about friggin' uh, uh, Chris Jones. Yeah, I know. He won a, a Grey Cup in Edmonton, a team that was built by Ed Hervey, and he walked into a situation where uh, he had Mike Riley as a quarterback. Well, any coach that's got Mike Riley as a quarterback has a shot to um, – to, um, be successful. There's number one. Second of all, Bill Belichick, when he went into New England, they were pretty much a football wasteland. They were the New England Patriots were a joke for decades, almost since they came into the uh, NFL. And he built that team. They had a very good quarterback there named uh, Drew Bledsoe. But what did he do? He replaced Drew Bledsoe with a young quarterback who was a mid-round draft pick. His name? Tom Brady. You've probably heard of him. Um, what, is Bill, what has Chris Jones done with the Rough Riders uh, quarterbacking situation in the years he's been there? Uh, not a whole lot. And he's got Zach Caleros, well, not to insult Zach Caleros, but quite frankly, he's an inconsistent quarterback. Can Bill Belichick build defenses? Sure he can. Like Will says, He's probably a great defensive coordinator. Where is the evidence that he's a great head coach? He got to the playoffs last year at a crossover. Big deal. I believe they missed the playoffs the year before. And quite frankly, um, he was with Edmonton. And again, that team was already built for him. 
that was like plug and play. So it wasn't as if he came in and put that team together from the ground up and and um, they, then they became competitive. They were already a good team that he took over. Next up, Bill Belichick has five Super Bowl rings, all with teams that he built. Chris Jones, he's got one Super Bowl ring with a team that somebody else built that he just coached. And I actually, I'm sorry, but I give Mike Riley much more credit for that Grey Cup than I do to Chris Jones. So, uh, Jamie Nye, a Saskatchewan writer, uh, this ain't the first, nor will it be the last time that he writes an article favorable to somebody in Saskatchewan. But come on, man. You're out to lunch. You're, um, you're completely uh, – it's he's a homer. I'm sorry. He's a homer. And we've seen it before. And, hell, all cities have homers. We know that. I'm not saying we don't. We've got homer guys here in Vancouver. It doesn't matter. Um, but – when you go out, don't write an article with a headline that's going to insult people's intelligence. Because that's what that headline did. It insulted people's intelligence. Any comparison to Bill from of Chris Jones to Bill Belichick is nonsense. Talk to me when, when um, uh, Chris Jones has uh, about three or four more Grey Cups. Then we might talk. Instead, take your little comparison and just throw it out the window. It makes no sense. It's laughable. And you should really – do you guys not have editors where you write your articles? That No editor should have let that go out. It's just ludicrous. That's my comments on that. Um, can I also add, Charles, that Chris Jones has been – quite successful. I don't know how many Grey Cups rings he has. He's got one as a head coach. Right. But he's been on he's been on a number of good CFL teams. And the reason he was successful is those CFL teams had great coaches. We'll take Calgary for example. When he was in Calgary, John Huffnagel was the head coach. Okay, and I can't remember where he went after that. Mm-hmm. But he's been all over the place, and he's always had great head coaches above him. And if you you, you think if you want to compare him to Bill Belichick, who did Bill Belichick learn most of his stuff from? Bill he learned most of his stuff from Bill Parcells. Okay, and and after he left Bill Parcells, he was super successful right away. What does that tell you? I, I think a lot of the times Bill Pel- Belichick put his ego away to learn things. And obviously he learned things because he's probably the most successful coach in NFL history. So yep. comparing the two of them is like comparing, and okay, here we go. It's like comparing Wayne Gretzky to Kim Claxon. Okay? You know who that is, right, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good okay. Clackers clan. I was part of it, man. So there you go. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> it's just dumb. I I I sometimes I get sick of. I, I think there's more homers, Charles, in Saskatchewan than any other CFL team. Okay. 
You got Homer oh, Sports Writers. You got Rod Homer Peterson, Sports Writers. You got, yes, you got Homer fans. You got all kinds of things, man. So. That has got a lot to do in Saskatchewan, and that's not a, a shot at Saskatchewan. That's just plain fact. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Mark, any other thoughts uh, from you? No, I'm good. All right. Well, we got just under four minutes to go here in the show. We're just uh, about to wrap it up there. Uh, the bunch of bunch of events announced for the Great Cup Festival coming up in Edmonton, and we're apparently going to get the announcement of the Halftime Act uh, on the 29th when the when the Eskimos play the Bombers. They're apparently going to announce the Halftime Act at halftime of that game. So I don't know who it's going to be yet. I just know whoever they're announced, people are going to get pissed off about it because it happens every year. I'm going to say the exact same thing. Yep. It doesn't matter. And there was already an argument online, well, does it need to be a Canadian guy? Why does it need to be a Canadian act? I don't get it. The the halftime show is for entertainment, and if the show entertains me, I don't care what their birth certificate is. Why does it matter? But some people get so hung up on that for some reason. It has never made any sense to me, but whatever. People are going to be what it is, and when they announce the Halftime Act, people are going to whine and complain about it. You just know that's coming. But it has to be Canadian. So we'll get We'll get BTO and the Guess Who. Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to pull them out of the home and put, prop them up on a stage. Yeah. Poor elderly man sitting there freezing on a stage in Edmonton. I I don't understand why we've never had Justin Bieber. Come on. We have. <laughs> oh, have we? Okay. He played yeah. the uh okay. he played the Grey Cup in 2012 in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yep. But he's he's applying for American citizenship, so I guess that's not an option anymore. Good. He can be their problem from now on. But it's the same. De- it's the same debate every year. We know no, this. Know. It's going to be the same. And thing. you guys, and you guys know how I feel about halftime acts. So I don't even watch it. Well, because you're too busy going outside for a cigarette, right? There you exactly. Go. I understand that. All right. I understand that. Yeah, exactly. This has been Let's Talk CFL episode number 282. Hey, we're closing in on 300. Are we going to hit 300 before the end of the season? Probably not, but we're going to be darn close. Uh, I've been your fill-in host for the night, Charles Cliff, filling in for CJ, who had uh, guests at home tonight. So let's quickly go around and say goodnight. Um, Mark, you go ahead, and then we'll go on to Will. Good night, everybody. Talk to you on Sunday, and BC sucks. But you picked them. Will. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Uh, watch football this weekend and go Owls. Every week with the go Owls, even when they're playing the Bombers. All right. Uh, Good night, folks. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, we will be back Sunday night after uh, all the games are 
over and done with, and we'll have lots of other stuff to discuss. So uh, join us then on Monday, or excuse me, Sunday night. But until then, good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.